This episode of AIS is with the friend of the podcast, Steve Tankersley of Tankersley Construction up in Sacramento, California. This is all about core values and culture in your business. Uh, it's a great episode. Steve has a, a wealth of insight on this, has a very successful contracting company. So hope you guys like it. Like, share, subscribe, follow all the internet stuff and check this one out. I would like to talk about core values and how they shouldn't just be words on a wall or in an employee handbook. And when we built ours out, they've changed in the past three years, you know, as our business has grown and, and changed as well. What are you doing to, to instill that core values into the culture? And are you using those as like a measuring stick with your guys? Yeah, I think, you know, what you just said nails it. It's, it's you know, it is somewhat fluid. I won't say your core values are fluid. Those are core values, but I mean, things do change as your business grows. Um, we went through the same thing a couple of years ago. I think actually last year we realized we've been in the business for, you know, over five years and we didn't have our core values written down. And Heather, my wife and I, we knew what our core values were in our heart, but we never actually wrote it down and came up with it with our, with our team. So uh, we actually, we brought a facilitator in about a year ago and we said, look, we want to come up with our core values. We want to put it down in writing. And we brought our whole team in and we came up with them together. And I was a participant in that. And Heather was just as much as all our employees were. Mm -hmm. And we said, you know, this facilitator helped us come up with our core values and our mission. And, um, you know, your core values really shouldn't change. Um, and th th those are what the, the basis of your mission. But, you know, sometimes as you grow, like you said, things do change. Yeah. We first did our core values. I had a hard time because if we're going to hold people against something that needs to be needs to be solid, right? Like one of our core values starting off was critical thinking. That can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people, right? Like critical thinking for me and how I would deduce my reasoning it could be completely different than from you. And what we're really focusing on next year is instilling the core value into our culture and hiring and firing based off of those core values and those metrics, but like accountability is big, critical thinking. I mean, it's kind of a given for most of the positions, craftsmanship, once again, kind of subjective. Yeah. And I mean, they're also just very vague, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But then they're also a good guidepost to make decisions. So I've actually, mm -hmm. I've used our core values to make the tough decisions a lot. And today I just made one, right? We have a job that the client's super happy with us and we retextured you know, half the house with a skip trial finish. And, um, you know, I looked at it and it's heavy. It's not really, it's not on brand with what we want to do. And the client actually likes it. And they're like, Hey, this looks great. We're happy with it. Well, we're not happy with it. And I don't want to put my name on it. And we're going to actually retexture all these rooms, of course, at our cost or mm -hmm. our subcontractors cost. Um, but those are the decisions you got to make. And then and hey, are, are your core values being met? And, and craftsmanship is one of our core values. And I, in my opinion, they didn't meet our core our core value of craftsmanship. So we redid it. And it's going to cost us some time and some money, but it's going to be in the right product in the end. Yeah, I agree with that. that good, good on you. I'm in this actually identical situation on our project in Sacramento where we're retexturing the whole house. Yeah, and it's just one of those things. You got to do it. And, you know, it, your clients, we, you know, you probably have the same situation. Any contractor listening to this has the same situation of, you know, clients have a wide variety of standards and quality. And, you know, we're 
we just finished up, you know, a several million dollar custom home. And we're also finishing up, you know, a, a smaller bathroom remodel. And those clients, you know, you'd think that the several million dollar home was under a microscope. And it's more so the bathroom is really our pain. <laughs> and uh, if we is, can establish the same level of quality in our company internally, sometimes that level of quality might be much higher than our clients are. And sometimes it might actually be lower than our clients because sometimes you get those clients who just are absolutely looking for perfection and want to get every dollar out. And perfection, you know, we're going to try to achieve it, but it's almost never really achievable in any handmade industry. So mm -hmm. um, if we can maintain that standard quality, you know, you just keep referencing that. And we're not going to throttle back our quality for certain clients or ramp it up for certain clients. We're going to always yeah. deliver the same quality. There needs to be consistency. I think of like Starbucks. Right, like my, I'm obsessed with Venti cold brew with that that foam on top. I don't know what, and that's the one thing I hate about the ordering that drink. Every single Starbucks has a different name for that freaking foam. I feel like sometimes Side it comes down. in as a cream. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's floating on top. Sometimes it's mixed. I'm like, what is it? But every time you go to Starbucks, you can there's consistency in the brand, right? And I wonder we're we're starting to work with a company called Guild Quality, mm -hmm. and it's like a, a qualitative uh, survey. Yeah, company i guess also. awesome yeah we're starting to work with them and it, i'm going to be very interested to see if our homeowners see the same core values that we are trying to instill and implement into our culture that's gonna be really what's your feedback on that have you had good feedback from, from homeowners yeah you know um there's been things that we've implemented in our in our business because of guild quality um, one of those things is actually a midpoint survey check-in with the client because what we were finding with guild quality was we thought these clients were super happy there's no way they wouldn't give us a hundred percent score and then yeah. all of a sudden there's like these things that pop up at the survey time like well yeah we wish our project manager had you know been here more or checked in with us more and so because of those surveys we implement a lot implement a lot of things you know midpoint check-in uh, weekly standing owners meetings. Those are the things we implemented just because of guild quality. Um, mm -hmm. Honestly, we're not actually using guild quality anymore. Um, it's nothing, you know, against them. It's just uh, we're hyper-focused on, you know, 12 to 15 projects per year. And we have a pretty good pulse on our projects at this point. And we've gotten a lot of, because a lot of tools we've gotten from those surveys. Um, yeah. And, you know, honestly, I feel like most of the skeletons have gotten worked out. But... Um, <laughs> I think especially with larger companies, if these companies, you're working in multiple geographic locations, um, you're doing, you know, 30, 40, 100 projects a year, you got to have some kind of third party check on, hey, are you meeting your your um, core values, your goals and, and making your clients happy? Yeah. Kind of leading into that with the 12 to 15 jobs, you're almost interviewing your clients on if you want to work with them, right? It's not as much as you're at the service of them. It's a mutual relationship at that point, which I think is huge. It's something I really admire about that that model. Well, uh, and I think that, and I tell people that too, because I tell them, hey, it's it's in your best interest that we work well together. And just like you're interviewing me and you know, we're interviewing you, we want to make sure this is a good relationship because our, our projects typically, you know, we're almost every job, we're almost a year between design and completion or more. Mm -hmm. Some of our projects have taken two or three years uh, through design and completion. So uh, we're on this for a long term. And then we have the warranty phase and all this stuff. And so I think a lot of the, the misconception of construction, especially is, is that we're a commodity. And so certain industries, if you're building a fence, or you're 
you know, painting a house on the exterior. Sometimes, yeah, you just call three contractors, you know, get three bids, throw away the high one, throw away the low one, go with the middle guy. What we do, it's so technically complicated. It's so in your personal space. It's very, you're in your marriage, you're in your kids' lives. And we, we don't, we've had jobs that have gone sideways, not many, and it's not fun for anyone. And it's kind of like touching a hot stove. I never want to touch that stove again. And so I, I tell people, yeah, we are interviewing you. And honestly, I'd rather have no jobs than bad jobs. And so I'd rather just sit at home, honestly. <laughs> I don't blame you because when you're in the thick of a dispute or, and truthfully, there's got to be something that goes wrong. Every single project, no matter the, the pre-construction, the diligence put into it, there's always something. And you know, Bobby, my business partner, came up with like, we just need to get like 99% of it right. Yeah. And then the 1% needs to have very very well executed communication because there's going to be one thing. Yeah. There always is. You know, I, uh, I, I tell clients, tell them, Hey, at some point in this process, probably drywall phase, you're not going to be happy with us. Um, and they go, Oh, you're, you're great, Steve. Like, this is amazing. I'm like, yeah, it's amazing right now. But at some point you're not going to be happy with us. I told that to a client recently and she goes, Steve, you know, I, I think I'm at that point. <laughs> and we kind of laughed about it and it was all good. And, and, you know, we're moving on, but um, it's reality. And when you're doing, let's say, we, you know, any given time we have maybe four or five jobs going. And I, I joke, any given time, someone's not happy with us all the time. 365 days a year, someone's not happy with us about something. And I understand it doesn't diminish the fact that you're not happy with how the paint turned out in your bathroom or whatnot. But we're going to address it and we're used to this. It's not a fire drill for us. I'm not going to lay in bed at night awake because someone's unhappy. We're going to make it right. We're going to, you're going to be happy with us at the end, you know, and um, and every client we've had has been happy with us at the end. And for 99, like you said, 99% of the project is always that 1%. Like, you know, there's a lot of stresses involved in construction. For sure is now culture wise. Now the values your company holds, um, usually a reflection of the owner, I would say, right? Cause you started this with a vision. You had this ideal environment where you know, clients are dancing through fields of daisies and employees are showing up a half hour early on Monday, ready to work. Now, culturally, how do core values for you, how have they actually transpired into the culture? How are they bled in? Do you feel like you have yeah. that the culture reflects the core value? Well, you know, it starts with leadership at the top, right? So if one of your core values yep. is respect, well, I work with my wife. And am I respectful to how I talk to my wife? You know, are we respectful how we talk to each other? Um, do we yell? Do we throw things at each other? And so you start at the top at how you treat each other. And our core values, we actually look for the same, a lot of the same core values in our clients. And so if I go to a client meeting and it's a husband and wife there and the husband's talking over the wife whole, the whole time, he's demeaning her or she, you know, vice versa, or she's, you know, like, oh, my husband doesn't know what he's talking about and this stuff like that. Like, are you going to treat me any differently? And so mm -hmm. it's not only in your culture of the company, you got to look for your clients because we're, you said we're interviewing them and we're, we're weighing them against our core values as well. Yeah. One thing I think would be fun, um, I have this little, this is the value proposition design creator. It's by, it's called the strategizer series, but there's a book called uh, high impact tools for teams. And I got that when we started building out multiple teams and, and one of the, the workshops in there is called the respect card. So when he said respect, like that's a great example because it is top down. It is what you instill into your employees and it's how you treat them. It's, it's a general you know, love and respect type environment. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you can tell a lot 
you know, with your employees of how they present themselves and you're interviewing them, I mean, to everything, to, you know, how their truck looks when they're, you know, show up. You yeah. Know, do you have a carpenter who shows up and he's got, you know, you know, beer cans roll around the back. He's not taking care of his skill saw or just, you roll up at the yep. van and everything's organized. Like those are all those little things, you know, add up to, to part of your culture. So to answer your question, how we bring it in, first of all, you bring it in by demonstrating from the top down, you, you know, we are not as owners immune to these core values and we do them and we, we exemplify them and we reward it also and say, Hey, I noticed, you know, you handle that situation situation really well with the client who was upset with you and you're really respectful with them. You didn't lose it on them. Like the, just, you know, always um, evaluating those, those core values and, and just trying to immerse your team and clients who exemplify it and employees who exemplify it. Um, we were talking before the show, Ryan, like uh, culture is something that we just don't tolerate uh, as far as uh, de degrading culture. And um, we've let a lot of people go and over the years of just, because they were harmful to our culture. They were probably really great carpenters or really great project managers or show a lot of promise. But if you are um, degrading our culture, that's something that it's toxic and it will put you out of business. And so um, we just, we really don't, we'll maybe give a warning and that's it. You know, it's done. Yeah. Yep. One time thing. I agree. And I also think that when the times are hard, you know, when your back is against the wall, when there is an important decision or you're facing a lot of adversity, that is the best time to let what type of culture and core, and core values that you stand for as the owner shine through to the field, right? Yeah. To permeate all of your divisions, all your teams when you're, cause that says a lot about your character, you know, and we've had so many of those defining moment, moments in our company. And even like in the first year where I feel like we didn't do things right. And I, and we spoiled the pot, right? Cause we set up precedence for what we would allow into our company, into our culture and that people are just going to assimilate to what the status quo is. Yeah. So I, I love that fact of even keeping your craftsmanship at a level to where most other contractors would not hold themselves or their trade partners to that level. But we do because we're KHB or we're Tankers League Construction. Yeah. We're setting that bar. That's no, huge. And, you know, along with the, you know, obviously I think if you're listening to this and, and you have a company, okay. like try to establish those core values. Even if you're a one person show, you have any employees still write them down because <laughs> you know that's it's good reference like does this meet my core values and at the same time when we did that exercise we also came with our vision and our mission right and so our vision is is something that me and heather came up with and like this is our vision for the company and our mission our team came up with together so like our our vision was just to build we want to build exceptional projects and we want to be leaders in the construction community you know through you know, organization and clear communication and craftsmanship and excellence in, in design. These are all things that are important to us, um, Heather and I. And but we also want to be the clear choice for our clients and our trade partners and our employees. Mm -hmm. And we, we're committed to respect and honesty and quality. And so a lot of those little words that are in there are part of our core values. Our core values are in our mission, in yeah. our, our vision. And then our mission we came up with together and, you know, our mission as a company is to build exceptional projects from concept to completion. But then we also want to build long lasting relationships with our clients, our employees and our vendors. And so, you know, we look at that as, you know, is, 
any given task, is this following the mission? Are we building a long lasting relationship with our vendor by calling him and telling him we're not going to pay him because he messed up the trim or something, you know, like yeah. is that building a long lasting um, relationship? And so we're really committed to those, those core values. They're not just words mm -hmm. on a wall and they are written yeah. on our wall too. And we see them every day. They should be loud. We're actually, we're, we're setting that up right now. We're going to do the, the core values down the hallway vinyl that we're going to be doing a custom abstract wall with the mission statement centered of it. It's going to be nice. Um, and I think that, have you read the book, The, the Score Takes Care of Itself? Oh. Familiar with that? Mm -mm. It's funny because like the vision is a byproduct byproduct of executing a mission, right? Like our vision at KHP Construction, five locations, 50 million, five years, right? Five years is a little daunting because it's coming quick. <laughs> but our mission of bettering our employees' lives and once again, giving exceptional products and projects to our, our clients is going to get us to the mission, right? If we do the right thing, if we follow the right process and we take care of the client first and we put our employees before ourselves and we take care of everyone along the way, the vision's a byproduct of executing the mission, you know, and makes it, makes it simple. And I think, simple. Um, you know, being able to, having a company where you have those things clearly articulated uh, employees and people in general, human beings want to have something to strive towards. And so when you have those written down, you can attract higher talent. You're like, wow, you know, I, I have those things written in our conference room and we do interviews with employees. They read it. I see them staring at it and they're reading it. I'm like, wow, that really resonates with me. Or even our clients sit there and they read it and like, wow, that's, that's really cool. You guys have that. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, you can, re uh, attract if you're following your mission, your vision, um, you can attract higher, better talent. You can attract yeah. better in cl uh, clientele. Um, something I'm really, really proud of this year is, um, you know, we've been, the Sacramento Business Journal has rankings for fastest growing companies. We've been on that list three years in a row. Yeah. Of uh, the fastest growing companies in Sacramento. But then at the same time, this year was the first year we made the list of best places to work. So I think we're one of the only companies, if not the only company, that made fastest growing and best place to work. And so I think I attribute that to our team and just that mission, right? Because a lot of times these fast growing companies, you guys are in the same boat. Like you just, you lose culture, you lose you yeah. know, a turnover. Um, and, you know, not saying we haven't had turnover, but it just, it tends to, it can de uh, degrade the, those core values in that mission. And so I'm really yeah. proud that we've been able to keep that up. Yeah, it's tough not uh, to control the churn. I mean, on our sales team, we've churned through the past two years, I think three people. So not, not a significant amount, but still, I mean, decent amount. The field guys and management, not so much. The, the guy we just let go was uh, reg regrettably one of the first, like one of the almost founding members of KHP. And that was really tough to do, um, not as take that lightly. As your company grows, you know, people, it, it's not, you know, people aren't always able to keep up or they're not always, they're not always, they're maybe the right fit for your, your certain company and a certain revenue or certain mm -hmm. structure, but then as you go, you know, you just kind of outgrow those people and whether they, and it's nothing against them. It's just, Hey, there's this, this is a different company. We had a, um, a project manager, our first project manager, she's no longer working with us. And, um, it was one of only two people in our company to ever resign. We've only had two people in our entire company ever to resign. And she's one, she was our first one. And she started with the company and we were less than a million dollars in revenue and she left the company. And we were like, you know, I don't know, $4 million in revenue or something. And so we had, you know, done 400% growth on this company and it was not the yeah. same. And, and she was like 
spinning and she was overwhelmed and she was probably overworked. And, um, you know, we were so growing so fast that we didn't even recognize that. And so we always use those as learning lessons of, you know, not, but also don't take it personally of like, Hey, this person left because I'm a bad boss. It's just, Hey, this, they didn't sign up for a $4 million company. She signed up for less than a million dollar company. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, I'm, I'm starting to implement, uh, next month, um, bi-weekly, I'm going to take one employee out to lunch. And we're going to sit there, we're going to talk about the company, where they stand, what we, th- you know, just general conversation, right? Just a check-in. Because we do the GSRs, you know, we do the the team meetings weekly, independent meetings, strictly about work weekly. But I think there's something to be said about having culture meetings, you know, with your team members. And not just, you know, in your little bubble, like I'm not just going to yeah. talk to sales and marketing. I talk to them every week. I want to talk to the laborer, right, that we just hired. I want to take him out to lunch. I want to take out uh, our trade partners. I want to take out, you know, everyone. Yeah. And just get a real good pulse in and make sure that that culture is intact. Well, your trade partners are your uh, herrings a lot of times in the job sites. And so they'll yeah. give you un- unfiltered feedback. And they're like, yep. you know, I've got out of an electrician. You always, I told my electrician, I said, you got to start interviewing these employees for me. Because every time I let him go, he goes, I told you that person wasn't going to work for you. I'm like, well, why don't you just interview <laughs> my employees for me? But you know, I get a lot from the subs and they're like, oh, so-and-so, you know, they just stroll in, they're here for five minutes, they leave, you know, but I'm getting the story from the employee that they're there for, you know, half the day. And so, yeah. you know, sometimes your subs will give you a good feedback of like, hey, this person's the real deal, or maybe they're, they're really struggling. Um, so I think that's critical too. And, uh, and then talking to those field guys, you know, we don't have as many maybe field guys as you guys have. We have uh, a few carpenters in our company, um, but also we, we do uh, we, we started this year. Another thing uh, is our leadership team. And so um, we have, you know, our field manager there, our office manager, myself, our operations manager. We meet once a month and we're like, what's going on in your world? I asked our field manager, hey, how are the guys doing? What do they need? Do we need to hire someone? Do we need to let someone go? What do, you know, does someone need more money? Like what, what's going on? And, and so having those set meetings with your leadership team and developing a leadership team in your company is also key. Yep. Even if you only have four employees or two employees, like still have a leadership team. Even if you have two employees, you can have you and another employee and that's a leadership team. Um, but have someone as an advisory board of helping you make decisions because they're going to get that buy-in too. And they're going to be like, look, I'm part of this company. I'm helping steer that ship. We call it the steering committee is what we call it. I like it. Yeah, that'd be like our level 10. You know, actually, right before this, Bobby and I have a, a one-on-one meeting. We go over the high-level topics. We go kind of, we call them the the trees and the weeds, right? So the trees are like the big quarterly annual goals or, or issues trying to be resolved. And the weeds are more week to week. Like, hey, you take care of X, Y, and Z. I'll take care of this. Let's meet up next Tuesday, have lunch, see how it went, you know, divide and conquer type thing. But I do think that, especially the trade partners, that who we're working with should also resemble the, the core values and company culture that we're wanting to put out to the client, especially like with a company like ourselves, you know, we're doing tear out, we're doing frame, mostly doing all of our plumbing. Um, but once we get to electrical HVAC, the tail end of MAPs, we are now supervising this project and we are at the mercy of the quality of our trade partners. You know, that homeowner comes in, I can't have a guy smoking a cigarette in their living room, you know, wearing jean shorts in high end tube socks. Like he needs to look professional. Like he needs to be doing his job. He needs to have uh, the type of social skills to present KHB in their projects. No, and, and you're a thousand percent right. Uh, you know, we're, we implemented about two years ago, maybe three years ago. 
we wrote a subcontractor trade agreement. And so it's a standard mm -hmm. subcontract for our trades. And we have a job site code of conduct on that. And yeah. look, I mean, are we enforcing these things a thousand percent all the time? Not always. One of the things, well, you, you know, you pissed a few guys off, right? Yeah. I mean, and we had our best tile guy. I, I still wish I kind of had him as a tile guy as far as the work goes, but, um, he, we sent this over and it, it's nothing excessive. It's just like, Hey, there's no, um, drinking anything other than water on finished products. You know, it doesn't mean you can't be drinking a monster energy drink while we're framing, but once we get all this stuff in marble counters and stuff, we don't want any soda or anything in the house, no yeah. smoking on the job site, like go down the street and smoke, um, you know, no foul language, no loud music. Like there's, it's basic things that, you know, you'd want in your house, Palmer courtesy type wear, stuff. Yeah. wear jeans, closed toed shoes, like, I'm not asking for the world here. And he read this and he goes, Steve, there's no effing way I'm even going to show this to my guys. And I said, well, why is that? And what is on here that it's so egregious? And he's just like, I, I don't care. These are the rules I'm not willing to follow. And you guys make things too difficult. And um, we're not going to work together anymore. And it was basically as simple as that of a conversation. After we'd done, I think we did almost a million dollars and worked together that previous year. Um, and I think there's probably some more stuff behind the scenes. I think we we're, you know, taking a lot of his manpower on his company by doing yeah. this work. But the moral of the story is, is which if, is on him too. Charge what you need to charge. You get yeah. it done. And, and the moral of that was, was like, look, okay, fine. I'm not going to beg you to work for me. I'm not going to bend the rules and say, well, everyone has to do this, but you can't. And it's like, we're not going to work together anymore. And we found some other great tile guys we're working with. And, um, you know, we have, we have that covered. But then the flip side, I had other subs who came to me and said, Steve, you guys are pushing, you guys are raising the bar. You're doing what this industry needs. You're cleaning house. And we love mm -hmm. this. We, we wish all of our general contractors required the subs to clean up trash at the end of the day. And so, you know, there are, there's, there's pros and cons. And so we weeded out some of the rough guys. Um, and now when new contractors come in, they have to sign this sub trade agreement before they start. Um, and, uh, you know, another flip side is we have a, a project, a new home build going right now that I, uh, the plumbers had just finished up, you know, after plumbing, the HVAC guys came in and I knew when the plumbers finished up, there was just sawdust and kind of just trash everywhere all over this house. And it just kind of showed up as sitting there for a day or two. So we grabbed some brooms. I said, okay, we're going to clean it out today. I get to the job site and the place is spotless. Like I left it on, you know. Monday and had trash and, and had some, you know, sawdust and, and stuff everywhere. And I get there on Tuesday afternoon and the place is spotless. Well, the HVAC guys had just finished their work and they went through and they swept the entire house. They cleaned up all the trash that wasn't theirs and they left the place cleaner than when they got there. And I called the owner of the company. And I said, you got to tell your guys because you, they did this because they spent an extra 20 minutes cleaning this whole site out. You guys will get all of our work. Like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, that shows that you care and that sh exemplifies our core values because I'm the kind of guy that will walk. If I'm walking through a parking lot and I see a soda can on the ground, even I just, I'll just pick it up. It's, it's make the place cleaner, the world, a cleaner, better place than you found it. Right. And if you can do that, like, you know, obviously I care what it costs, but you know, it's, it's not as big of a deal. Right. I'm not going to go with the guy who's a thousand dollars cheaper. Yeah. And why would you? Cause once again, culture or values like it all and the customers see that stuff too, right? Like what if your customer walked in there, you know, Monday when she was a mess, right? right? And, and it's it just a bit, it's a bad look.
Yeah, and so it's just it's it's not all about me. What what serves me? It's how do mm -hmm. I serve the greater good? How do I serve the customer? How do I serve the company? How do I how how do I how do I serve the the store the I'm shopping at? I don't care. Put the cart away, right? It starts with simple things. And I think the I like the lens of the industry because at some point, um, you're going to reach a level of success that it's not really about the money. It's about the impact, right? And I think that in our industry, that's something that Bob and I have talked about a lot. Like, how do we leave an impression on the industry, right? Because our, our mission, our vision, we're doing something that hasn't really been done in the space we're doing it, you know? How do we make something just the new normal, Yeah. right? Especially with clients, because we'll go in like on pre-construction and we're not doing as large of projects as you guys are. And we're doing, you know, our goal this year was produce about 40 projects, um, we're going to be a little short of that, but AJS went up, so everything's fine. How do we standardize custom and set an expectation that every contractor should fall in line and still be at a price point that's competitive in the market? You know, well, it's kind of like that. I, I think it starts with what you're doing and having these podcasts, you know, you know, the, the, do you get paid to do the podcast? No. Am I getting paid to be on the time? You know, no, but it's, it's not about money. It's about, Hey, how can we, I, a lot of what we learned in our business is from these kinds of podcasts and, mm -hmm. and getting better and always incrementing better and be like, Oh, my competitor is doing this, this, and this I've had every week, almost every week I meet with someone in our industry who's a quote unquote competitor. I know pretty much almost anyone in this industry in Sacramento. Um, and I, I know I'm on some level and it's like, what do you, you know, we share information all the time. Hey, what do you know about this? Uh, the subcontractor, do you have a template for this? Um, I'm happy to share that stuff. I think previous generation was a lot more guarded about, hey, mm -hmm. you know, I need, I have my template for my pre-construction agreement. I've sent my pre-construction agreement out to probably half a dozen subcontract or other contractors in our region. And I've seen them come back to me through a client and I'm like, this is what I wrote. And it, it, they just kind of copied it and made it work for them. And I'm totally cool with that because yeah. if we can all just raise the bar on each other, then it's going to give a better product to the client. The clients, you're going to hear less and less horror stories about contractors. And, um, you know, it's going to weed out the, uh, you know, the creams and rise to the top. Right. And so yep. the people listening to your podcast right now are people who care about bettering their business. And it's not all about making more money because if you do a better business, you're going to make more money. You're going to reach the point where money doesn't matter. Um, yep. and that's, that's kind of where we're at. I just want to do a better job, better job and make our industry better. Once again, it's going to take care of itself. The finances will come. Yeah. You know, if you're doing the right thing and you're putting the right things in front, I mean, it's money takes care of itself. Too many, uh, too many contractors in our industry are kind of hand to mouth and like they're so desperate to get that job and to sign it. They'll do anything because they need the money to. And look, I get it. Like it's easy to get caught in that wheel of discounting your pricing and, 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 and constantly trying to beat the next guy and, and doing things cheaper and faster and because there's, there's so much pressure on us. And you know, I always tell people like, we're probably going to be more expensive and we're probably going to be slower than a lot of contractors you talk to. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, we're not the fastest. We're not going to, we're also we're not going to take a year on your job, but we know we're, we're going to do it right. And we're going to be here consistently every single day. We're going to get you a schedule, but we're probably going to cost more money because we're going to make things right. And, um, you know, I just, we just took over a project. I shared it on Instagram stories of a, and I've never seen a contractor just blatantly just have no regard for a client's house the client fired this guy and the client did everything right they, it wasn't like they found a guy off craigslist like this was recommended by their designer he wasn't even the low bid 
you know, he had a license, everything checked out. And the work he did was so shoddy. We're having to spend, you know, $8,000 to go tear it all out and kind of start over. Um, but the moral of my, my story on that is, is, is just like, we got to weed these guys out that are just either um, underqualified or just, just blatantly don't care. And um, I'll keep coming on these podcasts and I'll, I'll keep, you know, preaching from the mountaintops of we've got to be better at our industry. You have to. We're not doing anyone a service by reducing ourselves to the mean, you know, because most contractors out there aren't built like your company, aren't built like my company. I had an interview this morning with a, a sales candidate that we might bring off for Q1 next year and showed him a little bit of the back end, showed him our workflow, showed him the, the roadmap, the SOPs, our 45 day training program I put together, uh, you know, all these systems that are all client oriented. Right. This is, we do this because this, right. The why behind all of our process. And he came from a construction company and he was like, I've never seen anything like this before. You know, like yeah. they, they were just running gun, just get the job sold, collect the money and on to the next one. And do you, have, do you have the same challenge we have of finding people who in residential construction who can actually fit and fall in line with these processes? Uh, somewhat. This guy has a bachelor's degree. Uh, he's educated, smart clean dressed, not a lot of experience. And when we're talking about culture and hiring off a of culture, I think we're going to turn somewhat into Brian Gottlieb. Actually, he said this on our podcast. And when I met him up in Philadelphia, um, if you don't know, Brian, 150 million top line between three companies, uh, very successful exit. And he viewed his role as we are a training organization that happens to be home services, right? hire strictly off of core values. We're hiring the person, not the skill. And I'm, I'm leaning more and more into that. And like my other two sales salespeople do not come from this industry, right? And I have to work extensively with them on training and on product knowledge and just industry-specific industry things. And this guy I just interviewed, uh, he's a general manager of a restaurant, dealing with people in and out, putting out fires, like he's a professional firefighter, yeah. you know? And if you've ever worked at a restaurant, you know how that goes. It's a pretty high-end restaurant, you know, $100 plates. Yeah. Uh, and clean cut, showed up, suit, tie. No, I loved it. I was geeked out on it. I was like, good. But he has the skill set and he cares about people. That's why he wants to do this, right? He has a little bit of construction background when he was in high school and in college. Uh, but he, he fits all the core values, right? And I have 13 different questions I'm asking these, these candidates. And he scored a four out of five or five out of five on all of my core values. So, I mean, he aligns. Yeah. And doesn't and, necessarily know what he's doing yet, but yeah, I mean, that can be trained. You know, it's, a lot of that can be trained if you have the people in your, in your team that can teach those things. When you're early on, you're starting, uh, you're a one man show, one woman show, you can't hire, like, you got to hire someone. Your first employee has to be pretty skilled and they have to kind of hit the ground running, typically. Yep. Um, yep. You know, a lot, you can't just hire like, oh, I'm going to hire, you know, a carpenter, but they don't know anything about carpentry. So you got <laughs> you got to get things going. Once yeah. you get that ball rolling, you got people in the organization who know things like lean on them and, and pass on information. And some of our best hires, um, you know, came from the restaurant industry, for example, because restaurant industry is very high paced. It's very similar, very similar yeah. rate of failure within the industry on businesses um, yeah. because of that. And so. Um, but it's always looking outside the industry and, and, you know, if we have a shortage of people in our industry and if you can bring people from the outside in, um, then it helps our industry too. Right. Cause that person maybe never worked in construction. Maybe no one wants to give them a, a chance. 
The transfer of knowledge, man, that's huge. Because especially like you mentioned the old guard, I remember being in the field and there's like this mentality that people don't want to train you the skill set that they have because they don't want you to take their job, right? And here, we you're completely right. Your first few hires, they almost have to be a unicorn, right? They have to fit the mm -hmm. cultural expectations that you've set and, and how you want your company to, to feel and operate and the camaraderie built, built around your brand. But they also need to have the skill sets, which take 10, 15, 20 plus years to acquire. And it's like, we found two of them. And one is now our production manager, and he's directly involved with training our guys in the field. And that, that was also the point of like standardizing what you're going to perform in-house and what you're going to outsource, right? Because if we're going to perform, you know, demo, plumbing, uh, frame, exterior, finish, doors, windows, things of that nature that we need to be able to build a training manual around every aspect of that trade and how we do it the KHB way. And we need to be able to iterate it, test it, change it as necessary, but have our production manager use that training material so I could go to a high school and speak to our ROP class, do a summer internship, hire that kid, put him in our training program, and now I got an 18, 19-year-old kid who's going to be with us for hopefully 10, 15, 20 plus years doing it the KHB way from the beginning. You know, yeah. But that transfer of knowledge is just so hard to find, and it, it's it, they're unicorns. They're tough. Yeah, and that's that's where all that culture comes in key too, because you can bring those people in and train them up, and they'd be the best carpenter, or project manager, or salesperson ever. Mm -hmm. And then you put four years into them, and like your culture sucks, they're gonna walk. You know, and so now you just put yep. four years into someone that that has walked, um, and. You know, it, you, it looks back and you look back in your culture and like, well, we had all the processes and the SOPs in place, but we didn't have culture and culture is more than just like team outing is going top golf, right? It just starts with, it's, yeah. you know, it just starts with like, do we have a mission? Do we already fulfilled and are we reaching that mission? And so that's where it, it all starts with that, right? Yeah. And it's integrity. And I know that's a, a buzzword and probably in some of these people's listening core values, integrity. But, you know, doing what you said you were going to do when you were going to do it, right? Especially when there's adversity involved, when your back's against the wall, like implementing and just living out those core values so your people see that. Just having, just being of high integrity in what you say you're going to do. I think that's that's so important to where those new people stick around. You know, we have a lot of long-tenured employees here. Uh, and I mean, granted, we've only been around since 2021. We count our first year. So, you know, we're like, barely three years in now. Um, but I mean, we have people that have been here since January of 21, you know, sticking it out, growing with us, taking yeah. the punches. That's huge. You know, you guys started from nothing and you're up to where you're at now. So, um, and that's huge growth. It's, you know, extreme growth as well. So yeah. a lot of stresses in the business. And I know you guys have big plans too, to, to expand. And that's going to continue to give you, um, those stresses and testing you guys. Um, so well, just like yourself, you're only as good as your worst employee, truthfully, you know, you're only as good as the, that one person that doesn't implement it. They can spoil the whole pot, the whole pot, you know, if they just have bad culture, bad values or don't adhere to your company culture, yeah, uh, it could be a cancer. No, totally. The takeaways, man. So new businesses starting out or even like existing businesses. I mean, you, you mentioned that you guys didn't implement core values until a year or two ago, but hammering out those core values is as we can tell, very valuable. Yeah. And you get, get that ironed out, get, get it written down. Even if you're by yourself and you, you know, 
you don't plan to hire anyone, write it down, right? Because your clients are going to want to see it, put it on your website, um, memorize it, put in your business cards. Um, and then the other thing I kind of didn't touch on was you talk about culture and it's just, you know, it's, it's onboarding and onboarding is key. We had, we, we had a lot of turnover in a couple of years ago and we're in a mentor group and our mentors were saying like, well, what's your onboarding plan? You know, and we're like, well, what do you mean? We don't have an onboarding plan. And what are you talking about? You know, I, I've worked a lot of places in my past. Nobody ever onboarded me. They're like, here's your laptop. Here's your office. Get to work. Right. And yep. so we developed an onboarding plan. It's a standard checklist. Core values mission is one of them. Review it with the employee. Do they understand it? Yes or no. Um, and it's very simple. My sales coach told me uh, one time, and he's like, if you have these written down and you review it, those employees, making decisions on hiring and especially firing are especially easy because you can just point to the core values and say, look, <laughs> One of our core values is honesty. You weren't honest about that with a client and you're fired. It's very simple. You know, like yep. it's not like, well, I didn't, you know, think you did this. It's just like you weren't honest. Core values, honesty. We reviewed it. You understood it and you broke it. So it, it just goes to starting on day one and, and doing your onboarding plan and following that and just reverting to it and always leaning on it and never really compromise on it. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. Well, man, I appreciate your time. Yeah. I know you got a hard stop here in about a minute. Yeah, got a two thirty. Yep, yep. So thanks for the time, man. Always good talking to you, and I'll be seeing you when I head up to Sacramento soon. All right, brother. See ya.